If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth Admission, the news on the Omicron variant and how it might affect Northern California is fast moving. While only a handful of cases have been officially documented, the presence of the variant in wastewater tells us there are more cases that just haven't been detected yet. So, what do we know about how Omicron spreads, how dangerous it is, and how much vaccines and vaccine boosters will protect us? To answer these questions, our pandemic guide, as always, Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday is back on the show. I also want to ask her about whether Omicron's mutations might have happened while the virus incubated in the body of a single person and why that matters. Aaron Alday, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me again, Damien. Aaron, what do we know so far about how Omicron is spreading in Northern California, whether it's more contagious, whether it's more or less serious than Delta? The first thing I want to put out there is it's not spreading. Um, We don't have any signs at this point that there's like community transmission of Omicron, that it's here and it's spreading around from person to person. The cases we've identified so far have all been in kind of certain individuals who have traveled or who came from like isolated events. So we have the first case, of course, in the San Francisco resident who had returned from South Africa. And then we have a small cluster of cases in the East Bay that were all guests at a wedding in Wisconsin. And so those cases are all very closely connected. We don't have so far any cases kind of spawning out from those individuals. And we don't have any cases identified yet where we don't know where they were exposed, which would lead us to assume that it's out there in the community. We do have, like you pointed out, we do have these wastewater cases that have been found not in the Bay Area, but in other parts of the state. So the assumption is that there there could be a little bit of community spread happening out there. But, you know, at this point, we probably would have found more of those if this thing had really kind of blown off in the community. The folks I talked to seem to think it still is likely just a matter of time before we see community spread, but we're not we're not having that yet. All right. And what are you watching when it comes to whether this variant is more contagious, whether it's more serious, whether it's perhaps less serious? Yeah, that's there's a lot to be tracking and we're still very early days with all of it. I would say so far the evidence of what we're seeing in South Africa and and kind of some isolated case reports do seem to suggest that it's very likely more infectious than Delta, which as we all know Delta is already so much more infectious than the original coronavirus. I think about twice as 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 infectious. So Omicron looks very likely to be even more infectious than that and that's based on how quickly the cases have been climbing in South Africa and again a couple of kind of individual case reports of just people who really aren't even that close contacts getting infected. So that's, you know, that's definitely something concerning. I think that's going to, you know, I think it's going to play out that it's more transmissible. We'll see if that really matters. The bigger questions are how the vaccines are holding up against it and sort of what type of disease this causes. The type of disease it causes, I think we're not going to have good answers on that for a while yet. Um, there are just so many variables that come into play. You know, like if if it's vaccinated people that are getting sick, they might all be getting mild illness. That doesn't really tell us if Omicron is 
you know, on its own causes more serious illness. There's just there's so many factors. And I think it's going to be even potentially months before we really know that one for sure. But but so far, I mean, it's it's a good sign that we haven't seen really severe outcomes or or many severe outcomes from Omicron. To me, the really kind of most outstanding question is this sort of vaccine protection. And just to clear things up, I don't think anybody is really afraid our vaccines are like going to outright fail against Omicron. But, you know, there's there's gray areas there and we don't know yet, you know, how much protection we're going to get from vaccines, um, including boosters against Omicron. It certainly is, you know, I don't even want to say cause for concern, but it's something to pay attention to that all of the cases that we've seen or a lot of the cases we've seen in the Bay Area have been in people who weren't just fully vaccinated, but also had boosters. So that's, you know, that shows us that there's there's potentially something going on here, but we need to do still a lot more study to say, you know, if that's meaningful. It could just be that we have, these are just coincidences. These are just, we're always going to have breakthrough cases and that's what we're seeing. But, you know, until we get many more cases um, diagnosed, we're just, it's going to be really hard to sort that all out. And you're talking about that East Bay outbreak, right? And the event in Wisconsin, folks who came back to the Bay Area and came back to other places where they live have mostly been fully vaccinated. Fully vaccinated and again, and with boosters. Most of those cases, if not all of them, I think, were among Kaiser employees, Kaiser Permanente employees in Oakland. And, you know, these are healthcare staff that had all been boosted. So, you know, this is that's that's certainly something to be paying attention to. Like if every single one of those cases was somebody that was, you know, should have been about as protected, I mean, as protected as you can be and still got, you know, infected with this with this variant, that's, you know, that's that's something telling. We, we, you know, we need to be paying attention to that. But again, it's, you know, they all had mild illness, none have been hospitalized, and there hasn't been any spread out from those cases. We haven't had any of their close contacts testing positive, for example. Outside of Omicron, Aaron, we are seeing rising cases around the Bay Area. Those are, of course, all Delta, I believe. What's going on and is the timing coming after Thanksgiving and get-togethers what we're watching. Yeah. So thanks for pointing out that is all Delta. I think it's really easy to lose sight of that. It's we're still something like 98 percent of all of our cases that are sequenced are Delta. We're seeing cases climbing up. I don't know. It's it's potentially some of it is Thanksgiving related. Um, that's this is about the time when we might might start seeing those kind of cases from Thanksgiving gatherings climbing up. You know, it's also getting a little bit colder. People are getting inside more. We're in December. So people are going to be getting together for you know, holiday events. Um, There's just sort of a lot of factors. And, you know, some of this, we think that this is just cyclic, right? So we tend to have these, you know, a couple months of surge followed by a couple months of, you know, leveling off and then a couple months of surge. And, you know, it's maybe just time to be on the upswing again with this COVID. So I think it's, you know, it's it's remains to be seen where where it goes from here. I do think it's you know, this is entirely expected and we're not seeing we're not seeing anything like the trajectory that we saw last year. I mean, I think last year this time we knew we were in really big trouble. I think the state had already issued the statewide complete lockdown by this time last year. Um, so clearly we're not anywhere near that situation. OK, but when you talk about a cycle, are you talking about people's behavior that when it starts going down, we kind of put our guard down. I think that's part of it. We kind of don't know what the cycle is all about. You know, it's it's going to be that's one of those things we're going to have to tease apart, I think, you know, in the months or years to come. Um, is there just a cyclic nature to this virus? Is it just about our behaviors? Like you said, that's that's 
definitely something that happens. We all get freaked out and we lock things down and we we watch ourselves and behave better. And then things improve because, of course, they improve. And then when they improve, we all loosen up again. So I'm sure human behavior is part of that. But there might be something about this virus itself, its biology, that is also cyclic. And somebody pointed out to me, you know, on Wednesday that each of our surges has actually been kind of tied to a different variant. So it could just be that this is sort of the the cycle of this this you know, COVID and as it develops mutations and when it gets enough mutations that, you know, there's a new variant that that somewhat threatens our immunity, then it just starts climbing up again. All right. I want to ask you a little more about how public officials are responding to this mini surge, how we should be behaving during the holidays. But first, we're going to take a break right back on Fifth and Mission. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for full digital access. And right now, you can get 26 weeks for just 99 cents total. Go to sfchronicle.com slash pod or download the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to Fifth Emission. I'm Damian Bulwa, joined by Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday. We're talking about Omicron some of the first cases in Northern California. Aaron, is there any reason for us to be changing our behaviors because of this variant? And is there anything that public health officials are doing differently in the Bay Area? The latter question, not really, no. Um, you know, we're not talking about any sort of new rules or kind of stricter um you know, restrictions that are already in place. So things are sort of planning to go apace for the moment. And I don't, you know, I don't really even get a hint that that's going to change at this point. Um, I think as far as our behaviors, you know, mostly what I've been telling people and what I've been hearing is it's it's basically just everything we know how to do. But, you know, if you've been sort of getting a little sloppy, if you've been sort of relaxing on some of those behaviors, you know, not wearing your mask in situations where you should or maybe, you know, inviting people into your home when you don't really know their vaccination set, just little. I don't know what what things, you know, individuals might have been doing, but this is not the time to be doing that. This would be the time to be just really thoughtful about kind of all of these these restrictions that we all know. And I think it's reasonable with the holidays coming, you know, people should be getting together. I just think that's really important to say that these holidays are so important. People need to spend time with their families and their loved ones. But, you know, that doesn't mean you go if you have a cough, right? It doesn't mean if you have the sniffles that you go to one of those things. And it's probably still smart to like, this is maybe not the year for the giant friend New Year's Eve gathering, right? Like this is still a time to kind of keep things a little low key. And I think that that's that certainly is is one takeaway that that people should should have right now. All right. We're recording this uh, late on Wednesday afternoon. Aaron, I do have a booster shot planned in an hour and a half. That's amazing. I'm kind of disappointed you waited this long, but <laughs> but but that's very good for you. You should be getting it and you'll be in great shape. And if if Omicron gets here, you'll be in better shape. Right, I'm, I'm mixing it up. I'm getting Moderna on top of Pfizer. Is that OK? That's what I did. No, I did the same thing. I'm All right. excited. All right, Aaron, I want to switch gears. You've been doing fascinating reporting on whether Omicron's mutations might have happened as it incubated in a single person. Why would this be the case and why does it matter? Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting this this theory. So the the thinking is that that Omicron has so many mutations and it has something like 50, you know, mutations to it, which is just like we it's unheard of. We haven't seen another variant with that many mutations all at once. And that the thinking is that, that that's a hard thing for it to do as it just sort of mutates passing a person in person. And instead they think 
that that very likely what happened was somebody who was immune compromised, so somebody who got infected with the coronavirus and wasn't able to shake it off. Like they were infected with it for a very long time, maybe even months, that as the virus, you know, replicated within their body, that it kept accumulating more mutations as it replicated just inside, you know, inside their body. Um, and at some point, you know, they then infected other people. They passed on that that mutated virus to others. And this is something we've seen before. We've seen um, cases of people who are immune compromised to have, um, you know, get COVID and they just have a hard time shaking it off. And we think that that's maybe where the the alpha variant that took over in the United Kingdom came from. But yeah, I think remarkably um, at Stanford, they had a case earlier this year of a woman who had untreated HIV, which meant that her immune comp- her immune system was essentially non-existent. Um, HIV had just demolished her immune system and she had become infected with the coronavirus and she had at least kind of a couple months that the virus was, was in her and the coronavirus. And it wasn't making her very sick. She only had very mild symptoms early on in her infection. And then she was essentially asymptomatic but it was replicating. They have proof of that, that that the virus was replicating in her because it was just kind of going out of control. And they were actually able to track her. They were able to sequence the coronavirus in her at one point in her in her infection early on and then sequence her again two weeks later, sequence the, the virus again two weeks later. And they could show that in just two weeks, that virus had accumulated five different mutations, including one that's actually commonly associated with with immune evasion. And so, you know, here we see that just in a, in a two-week period, in one person, the virus, you know, gathered up these mutations. And that just kind of demonstrates that that can, you know, you let it go out of control in one person over a couple of months, and you can see where you might come up with something like an Omicron with, with these dozens of mutations. All right. So what's the lesson here? I mean, for doctors, for society, in terms of making sure people don't have this kind of illness? Well, one of the big lessons, and this is actually really, to me, kind of encouraging and, and a source of optimism, is with this particular patient, because she had untreated HIV, what they did was they got her on antiretroviral drugs, which did a fantastic job of her, of quickly controlling her HIV, so that improved her health. But it also just very, like within a month, got her immune system back up and functioning, and then she shook off the coronavirus infection very quickly. So putting her on these these you know, HIV drugs kind of treated both conditions, you know, by giving her immune system that boost. So the thinking is that, you know, if we have a large, we have large communities of people with HIV in other parts of the world where their HIV is not treated and where they could also get coronavirus and and then we could get variants out of that situation, you know, if we can treat those people with with HIV regimens, which we should be doing anyway, that's just a human rights issue, right? Like basic human rights. We have these amazing drugs that can save lives. We should be getting them to people. But aside from it just being the decent thing to do, it could also really help us, you know, with this pandemic, with this with the second pandemic, with this coronavirus pandemic, by treating these people and then not giving the virus, the, the coronavirus kind of that foothold to to get these mutations and create new variants that threatened all of us. Yeah, you write there's a need to both improve vaccination rates and improve HIV treatment at the same time. And it so it comes down to just making sure that perhaps the virus doesn't have this ability to replicate. Yes, absolutely. To replicate in those individuals and then to replicate in the community and, and, and go from person to person for sure. All right. I want to switch gears one more time, Aaron. Some public health officials in the Bay Area have been talking about shifting to hospitalizations instead of case counts. We're all very familiar with 
the coronavirus case counts as a key measure that they might look at as they determine how the community should respond, things like mask wearing. What's going on here? I think that what's happening there is is kind of a sign of this transition to to this virus becoming endemic. And once it's endemic, what that means is it's kind of out there circulating all the time. But if we get sick, we're not going to get very sick. Right. And so once we get a huge uh, uh, the right number of sort of people immunized or people with immunity, either because they've already been infected or because they've been vaccinated or probably some of both, then it's just, you know, it's going to spread. People will still get sick, but they just won't get very sick. And so we're looking at counties like Marin County, where they have incredibly high vaccination rates. I think something like 97 percent of their, you know, eligible population is now has at least one shot um, on board. And I mean, they just they're 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 the highest, you know, almost anywhere in the world, basically. And so they're still having cases. They still get lots of cases over there, but their hospitalizations are almost nothing. They have any given day between zero and one person in the hospital with covid. So they're saying, why would we sort of keep shutting down? Why would we we make people wear masks if if nobody's getting really sick and our hospitals are fine. But I talked with Alameda County also, and they're feeling like they're not quite in that place yet, where for them, they have a large enough unvaccinated, vulnerable population that they think it's still very important to be tracking these these coronavirus cases so that that gives them a sense of where the, the pandemic is headed in their community. So that's where I talk about, I think we're in this transition period of where we have one example of a county that's kind of ready to move on to that next phase of living with the virus and another county that's not quite there yet and is still pretty pretty closely tracking those those case rates. All right, Aaron Alday, thanks again for joining us. Thanks again for having me, Damien. Thanks to my guest today. She's Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.